Hey, alright! And welcome! Better yet, I'm Tim Crisp, your host! Better yet, it's a conversation about music! And our conversation this week is with Caleb Cordes of Sinai Vessel. Sinai Vessel released their third album, Ground to Swim, in October. What they call a departure. But boy, did he stick the landing! We had a great conversation that I can't wait to share with you all this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Namdi for our intro music, Marcus Nuccio for our graphics. Each week, you can see all those on our website, betteryetpod.com. Invite you all to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. And you can also follow us on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. How is this? For momentum, huh? We're on a hot streak over here. Augusta Koch last week with a chat that just stuck with me for so many reasons. Plus, we had Tony Molina the week before, Samuelito Cruz. Whew, it feels good to be right here, Bubba's. Though we are observing a sad anniversary, Chloe passed on from this world. A year ago, on December 18th, uh, it's still tough. Still tough. She was such a great friend to have and to know, and she got to meet so many people over the years and so many people who came over to do interviews for the podcast, and I got to experience hundreds, thousands of people who... (laughs) got to uh, meet this dog for the first time and she was such a such a joy she had so much silliness so much energy I miss her I miss her so much I wish she could have come out to Valparaiso with us she would have loved how infrequent walks have become now that we have a backyard and I would have liked if she had more time to spend with Hadley. They really only had six weeks together and Hadley's shown more personality each day and they have a lot of similarities. It's something that Jay and I uh, have both noticed as Hadley's settled in more. I think Hadley's taken in part of Chloe's spirit and... That's how it works, right? So we all live on after we leave. I like to think so. I miss Chloe very much. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. It's the website address for our very popular Patreon page that features all kinds of stuff. We got playlists. We've got original programming like our new show, Oversights. And we got a playlist that came to us this week from David Anthony, my partner, on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. David sent us a playlist of his favorite heavy records of 2020. There's also exclusive content that comes in each week directly from our guests who also receive a share of the revenue. Each month, the proceeds from our Patreon are split 
equally between the show, our guests, and organizations chosen by our guests. If you pledge to our Patreon this week, you will be supporting Better Yet, and you'll be supporting Caleb. We're a podcast that pays our guests for their time. You can pledge $3 a month, like you're leaving us a tip, or you can pledge $10 a month, which will gain you access to exclusive content from me and from our guests this week. Caleb Cordes of Sinai Vessel shared a cover of Refugee by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. We're also sending portions of the Patreon this week to the Nashville Free Store. This is a really amazing concept. A mutual aid storefront that's open to the public and offers things like canned goods, fresh produce, toiletries, masks for free for people who may need them. Simple as that. You can visit nashvillefreestore.com to learn more. All right. My guest this week is Caleb Cordes of Sinai Vessel. Sinai Vessel released their third album, Ground to Swim, in October. This is a record that Caleb made down in Silsby, Texas, with some folks from Lomelda and Alex Napping, and it is hardly recognizable from Sinai Vessel's last LP, Broken Lego, which came out in 2017. But that would be the design. While Broken Legged was coming from a heavier side of emo, Ground of Swim is sparse, really open record that's much more focused on subtlety and space. We find Caleb crafting songs that have a much wider lens than before, and he does all this to great success. Now, I spoke to Caleb back in 2018. It's one of my favorite episodes of this podcast. We recommend going back and listening to that interview if you haven't already. It's a very good interview, as is this one, which has a funny dynamic. I wrote the bio for Ground to Swim back in March, so I've been able to chart the journey of this record in a pretty cool way, and it was fun to land back here and interview Caleb again now that the record's out. Subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend. We'll be back next week. For now, here's me, and Caleb Cordes. Well, I love you With every part of me Save for the part of me That does not It's a part of me came here to do something else. That's yeah. uh, and then this is their sort of like middle career. You know? They'll have several in their life, but this is number two. And uh, yeah, yeah. which is really cool. I, I like that a lot. So there's like a multi-tiered meta respect, like respect for the thing you do, respect for the grind everyone's doing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. I enjoy that a lot. The older I get, the more I like grow to respect the multi-level career. The mm-hmm. like, ah, yes, one can start over. One can yeah. start something new. Mm-hmm. So, and you've been in Nashville for how long now? Uh, almost exactly. Well, yeah, just over a year exactly. I moved okay. here in October 2019. And then... It was was it Chattanooga before? Chattanooga before that, yeah, for two and a half years, and then before that, I was living in Cleveland, Tennessee. That's um, right, Cleveland, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. 
That's so I've just slowly moved westward. Uh huh. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> in a couple of years, I may be in Memphis. In all reality, I love that town. I thought about it. So you know, I've never been to Memphis. It's like one of those uh, historical trips that I would mm-hmm. like to take because mm-hmm. I would like to go to Stax and oh, yeah. uh, Graceland and all that. You know, me and Rat Boys. Mm-hmm. In a in another life, in the year twenty twenty, I believe we were going. We were talking about staying. At a hotel, at a hotel room, at Graceland. Oh wow, that would be so cool! Yeah, Gosh, yeah. The most of the time that I've spent there, oh, this is always like the best kind of ticket. Is that uh, my friends there all grew up in Memphis? Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that they're sort of able to like own the town uh, and own their place in it is just like, yeah, it's really died in the wall. And I, I love experiencing that town with them so much uh it's such a sweet 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 place and also like a unlike a lot of places in the south just because they like can't understand the you know high force winds of gentrification or decay uh there is like a huge respect for history there and a huge Mm -hmm. you know respect for the preservation of history and uh you know they they protect their neighborhoods and yeah it's a really really cool thing hell yeah. yeah so this is this is exciting because you and I we get to have a pretty full circle moment here mm-hmm. with this record, Ground yeah. to Swim. Before and after. Out. Oh my god, before and after. The thing is, I read that bio today, and a lot of these write ups that you're getting, they don't mention how good the bio was. So I don't know if I, I know, I, I know. But then but then they've got some like ghost lines that feel lifted from it. It's oh, like, oh well, if that's you... to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, if if you sort of just, you know, translated uh these into synonyms, you would get the same line kind of thing. Uh-huh. It's nice. Well, I mean, I think that that's good then because I think mm-hmm. that we're we're uh we're sharing the qualities of the record that I mean, I felt very affected by this the first time that I heard it. And it was a very quick embrace. And this has a lot to do with the fact that when you sent it to me, this was, what, late March? Yeah. So we were... Oh, yeah. It had just begun. We were all operating on a on a plane. But I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, the space. Mm-hmm. This is a record of space. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who knew? Again, that's the <laughs> the refrain. Who knew? Who knew that uh, it would be received in that way? I mean, I didn't know if it would be received at all. Uh, but yeah, who knew that that kind of value would play into this year the way that it did? Um, I'm, I'm really glad to give something that has space in it that doesn't make too many demands immediately mm-hmm. upon a listener. So you you hint at something here that I think is pretty. Uh, well worth noting in a record like this is the idea of is this going to be received because this is not broken legged mm-hmm. by design mm-hmm. but that's that's a risk for anyone who's expecting the you know heavy guitars yeah and the 19 layers of them mm-hmm. on each track mm-hmm. yeah the walls of sound uh-huh. Yeah. 
it was it was a spooky thing. Uh, I definitely oscillated wildly um, on my expectations or lack thereof about people receiving the record. Uh, I definitely knew who I was making it for all along. I mean, chiefly for me, but also for all of the dear friends and comrades who, you know, I've looked at the things that I've put out pre this record. Uh, but then they've sort of seen it for its core and then saw my performances for their core and mm-hmm. then believed in me for more than what I had like published thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to sort of deliver on that belief in me, uh, because I, I share the same belief. I believe that I was capable of doing something more true to my influences and what I enjoy. So, um, yeah, but who, who, I had no idea if it would be received. I had no idea if like what I actually put down would be obvious. I I was talking with a friend recently that like, I am really excited that people saw this record as having space rather than just being empty, mm-hmm. which is the thing that I feared, like that people would almost think that it sounded unfinished because it's so spare. Yeah, it did work. And it, it works just because like you can feel the room so well. And I, cool. I've been enjoying it again, you know, with another round of listening since it's come out. It's just like, yeah. And yeah, so when we, when we talked the last time now, were you on a solo tour at that point? You were touring on Broken Legged for sure, but were you playing with a band? Yeah, I was playing with a band and that was actually, that was the last time from then to now that I went out with the band. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was like the last tour really on broken legged. That was the last full band tour that I did. Uh, it, it went well and I really enjoyed my time with those guys. Uh, one of whom in that sort of pickup band on that tour played on the record, my friend Jared G. Um, mm. but yeah, over the course of that tour, it was like 28 days straight and playing almost all broken legged material. I was like, man, this, uh, something's got to give. I don't, I don't enjoy doing this. <laughs> this is a lot of infrastructure to set up uh, to do something that I don't enjoy doing, which is, I mean, I enjoy playing music, but uh, mm-hmm. playing those songs was not something I was getting much out of by that point. I mean, you've got how many years of trying to fucking record the thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're out there with the band, it was this uh this wasn't the first rhythm section that you'd had no to... no yeah yeah this was this was like several you know just sort of pick up hired gun bands into uh mm-hmm. touring on broken legged because the the two guys danny and josh that i'd written it with left soon after uh the record was was out so yeah it was just like picking up folks left and right, uh, all of whom I'm immensely grateful towards. But, uh, yeah, it, it was to prop up something that I, I wasn't that interested in propping up by that point. <laughs> right. And it's not just the the repetition and the, you know, you're, you're teaching people songs that it's not like you're teaching them how to play, damn it, <laughs> there's a little <laughs> bit of... Uh, of structure, uh, a lot of changes yeah. going on in there too. A lot of specificity, and that was like that was the way that record was designed with the you know three of the the three original members uh, was that we like 
really went in there and tightened every single bolt. Uh, we wanted that record to be airtight. That's the way that we operated then. And then sort of extending that expectation uh, to touring lineups, although people rose to the task, was really exhausting. And that also informed how this record was written. Like, I'm excited to play the songs differently than uh, they ended up on the record. Like, I, I went into mm-hmm. recording this record very conscious of, like, these are versions. The recorded version is just that. It's a version. Uh, yeah. It's certainly something that I, you know, is the kind of, is a gospel of the song. But, yeah, I, I went into it knowing that I'm going to be playing the songs with all sorts of people. So let's let's make it a, a movable unit. Put it down here. <laughs> and I think that what you do a really good job in, on that record, too, is that you can feel the interpretation that's mm. going on i think the conversation is, is yeah, an yeah, even better word for it mm-hmm. um because everything that andrew plays feels deliberate everything that jared does feels deliberate and it's it's a really really great amalgamation of a band who's recording mm-hmm and there's so much more to go off with those songs. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that was, gosh, that was the intention from the top. And it was difficult. Like, that was a really difficult thing to let go of uh, because that's, you know, when you have all the bolts tightened, that's control. You have a, a measure mm-hmm. that's like, oh, you know, you didn't hit this note, then something is wrong. Uh, but. Mm-hmm if you function by the uh, criteria of like, does this feel good? Is it right? Uh, in a spiritual sense, that's a, a much harder thing to measure. So I, I don't know. And this uh, writing this record was like a painful graduation. I had to like, you know, retrain my impulses to like put my hands on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. So, so how does it, how does it start? I know you did some solo tours. Uh, and you went out with advanced bass, I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it doing the solo tours that allowed you to open up a little bit? Or did you have to just like sit yourself down on a chair and say, can't do it like this no more. What yeah. do I do now? Yeah. I think I I was feeling that feeling as early as uh, 2018, uh, the last time we talked. Um, when I was doing that last full band tour, I was like, I don't you know, for some reason this feels, I'm so dedicated to this. I've put so much uh, time and effort towards doing it in a certain way. Uh, but I had not sat down and questioned myself and thought, do, does this doing things this way, this like airtight, uh, severe kind of rock band (laughs) (laughs) way, does that actually serve me anymore? Uh, and I, I had to hit a point of exhaustion to actually, um, ask myself that question. Um, yeah. And it, you know, was probably six or seven months between the end of that tour and me gathering, uh, Jared and Madeline, who I wrote the record with together in my kitchen in Chattanooga, uh, to start making songs. Uh, yeah, it was a long period of questioning. I was like, well, if I don't do it that way, how, how do I do it? Like Mm -hmm. what, uh, what is writing a record if, if not in the way that I've done before. And, um, yeah. So like that record 
did pretty well. Got yeah. good press. Yeah. Well, and now that's like it's one of those things. It's like I that was the first record that we've ever released in like a real professional sense. Like I was not aware of press at all when we were like putting out EPs on Bandcamp before mm-hmm. that. Um mm-hmm. So I had nothing to compare it to. But now looking back at it, it's like, oh, wow, like we were pretty well set up there. That's that's wonderful. That's a thing to be proud of and thankful for. Um, that's interesting that and, you're seeing it in hindsight, not within or within. Are you just kind of wrapped up in? I just don't feel good doing this. Uh, what was I then? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that. So whenever we initially put out the record, I was really proud. I was really excited. I felt that we uh, um, were finally getting to, I don't know, not do it big, but do it right. Like we had a label behind us. Uh, we were touring regularly. Um, the record was actually finally out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I definitely felt great about it at the time. Uh, and maybe I would have felt, great about it for longer if i had been able to do it with josh and danny for longer uh because that sort of project at that time was the culmination of the three of us in a big way um so maybe we would have found ways to like grow and change in it um but yeah past them leaving and me touring on it with other folks i just wasn't that interested in I I don't know I'm really bad at like just pressuring myself to do something just because uh if yeah, I don't I feel, feel that. that it's like mm-hmm. actually necessary uh to me personally um I I just don't want to do it and I really can't get my feet to follow through so um yeah it it I was initially very excited about it but it began to kind of de- deteriorate quickly for me once I didn't have any uh tertiary reasons propping it up <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's yep. not making sense for you mm-hmm. so how does it start to come together how is it i mean there i guess there is the instinct to do the opposite thing but so yeah i uh i got off that tour the last full band broken legged tour in 2018 and then uh just kind of spent a summer wrestling with what to do um one source of energy that allowed me to kind of send off one era uh, in favor of another was we got to play that big old show with Jimmy World in Chattanooga, which was, yeah, kind of a freak accident. I just asked them if we could play it over Twitter, and then Uh just a a groundswell moment happened where a bunch of people were clamoring, and uh, they allowed us to, and it was... A fun giant show. I'd never got to play anything r- remotely like that, um, yeah. and to do it in our hometown was really really fun. Um, but I was really conscious of uh, the fact that the sort of sound and path of Broken Legged and things that we had done before had led us to that moment. Like mm-hmm. it was the fact that we you know made emo tinged music that sort of made for this happening and. Uh, it almost felt like, I don't know. I think that there would be other people who would stand on that stage in that moment and think whatever got me to this point, I needed to keep doing more of that. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, I know what exactly got us to this point. Um, I'm fine not doing that anymore. Cause this is like a wonderful birthday party for the thing. And we're just going to like, or, or rather a funeral. Like we're going to, it's it's hard to see it as like a sequence, right? It's right. This is actually 
the end of like this sounding thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you think about doing the? Did you think about changing the name? Do you think about doing anything? Oh, big time! Yeah, that was uh that was sort of the the dark period of you know between the end of the Broken Legged Era and and starting to write this record. Um, I was like, should I change the name? Should I invite new members in? Uh, should I move to a place where potential new members are? I wasn't mm. sure of anything. Uh, but And those questions were really overwhelming because I thought that I had to answer everything at once. Of course, uh, yeah. In order to start again. But I remember one afternoon I just took myself out for coffee and brought my journal and I just like wrote everything down. I was like, what do I actually want? to do what do i really just need uh and that was simply to write music which is the only like the only thing that it's ever been to write music and play it with my friends uh and i was like okay i'm going to focus my efforts on only answering that question so at that point whenever i uh you know finished that little journal session and closed it and then i texted jared and maddie and asked them to start meeting me in my kitchen to play songs I was like, I don't know if this is going to be Sinai Vessel. I don't want to care if it's going to be Sinai Vessel or mm-hmm. if like this is going to be a recorded record or if this is going to be a tour or anything like that. It's like I'm going to try to keep the uh, impetus for this as simple as possible and just answer the question of like, am I doing music? Yes. Great. That's enough. That's enough. Uh and so it, it really grew from there. Uh, and I think that was why I was able to make the jump towards making the kind of music I wanted to make so quickly because once I, you know, grayed out all those other questions that were nagging me, I was able to answer the one of like, all right, do, are you doing what you want to be doing? Is the, and the answer yeah. is, you know, simply yes or no. So um, it felt great. It felt like a record that was made... Uh, in total isolation, uh, where it was just me and uh, the creative juices. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, and it's it that's so in the fabric of this record too. Mm. Especially like you know when you're referring to yourself by name, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like there's you do a really nice job. I think of like kind of weaving that point in throughout the record and there are songs that are specifically about it but there's also just like a whole i don't know symbiotic feeling i think to that mm, mm, of creating mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was gosh man one wild feeling uh that i had you know once we had finished mastering the record which i don't think i'd ever really had before uh was all of a sudden I kind of stepped outside of myself and realized that like, Oh, I, uh, I really didn't consider the outside world at all when I wrote this record, which is, feels like a, a wonderful success. Uh, it feels accidental in some ways, but yeah, I, all of the sudden I began to think about how the record would be received. Like I, yeah, I, I remember calling, uh, Ben, um, who's my best friend in Nashville, he mixed the record. Uh, I just called him up. I was like, man, how come you didn't tell me this is a weird record? <laughs> I was like freaking out about it at first. I was like, this is, uh, 
I didn't consider any other criteria, but like my own of like, oh, is this shit that I like uh-huh. uh, the entire time? And then now I'm standing outside of it going like, whoa, this is like, this is a record that I made for me and I like it, but who knows if anyone else is going to. Uh, so That's that was wild. That like began flip the in the matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come back. Just like, oh, I mean, that sounds like it's scary a little bit. Big time. Oh, big time. And I, and that was like, thus began a whole other journey. Like when I was making the record, that was one journey in itself. But then there was the process from, you know, the last thing that we recorded to now of like wondering whether it would be received at all, what kind of place it would have in the world. Like, uh, Mm -hmm whether my friends would like it, my peers would like it. Uh, or, I mean, I don't even know if I was concerned if people would like it so much as like, I just wanted to be understood for my intentions. Uh, like that, you know, everything that I would, was doing in the record, I would be doing on purpose. Like if someone didn't like it, that's, that's fine. But as long as they just understood what I was trying to say, like, mm-hmm. great, that'd be fun. <laughs> So you got you got Jared and Maddie in in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and then I know that we get another round of of collaborators involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell so, me about Tommy and, and Andrew and all this the squad. Yeah, I, uh, um, you know, we Jared and Maddie and I had rehearsed in my kitchen, and we you know drummed up a solid batch of songs and uh yeah eventually it just came to the point of like all right what what are we going to do with these uh number one was we just played the only show of uh full band ground to swim material to date uh we did that in chattanooga just sort of as a way to like celebrate the end of a process and also uh to have a you know some heat under us to finish these songs and have them in a presentable, <laughs> uh, capsule. Um, so we did that. Uh, but then after that we were like, all right, do we want to tour? Do we want to make a record? I'm not entirely sure. And, um, uh, yeah, I decided to do what I've never done before, which is like to not tour the hell out of songs, uh, but to just immediately get them down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we made the decision to go to Texas, which is something that had been floating around in my mind for a while, ever since meeting the Lamelda crew. Uh, Hannah from Lamelda had posted something about this like gorgeous studio that her brother was building, uh, and as soon as I saw the space, I was like, "This is unbelievable." Uh, her brother's looking at that. Yeah, her brother is Tommy Reed. Uh, he built an unbelievable studio in like a converted garage or barn type big room uh out on a farm in rural Silsby, Texas, which is Silsby, in... Texas, home of Oh, that's right. Oh, hold on. We I think you and I talked about this, but uh now I it's it's fallen out of my brain. Former world heavyweight champion and WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry, the world's strongest oh, man. Wow. Silsby, Texas. Yep. Amazing. It's a and to pair like that guy with that place is is amazing. Just mm-hmm. like imagining him walking into a a corner store there. Sounds sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know much about Silsby in particular, but mm -hmm. yeah, that hardens one. I yeah. would say. Yeah, I would say so too. Hardens one and, and softens softens other parts of one, I'd say. <laughs> Certainly did that for me. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I, I ever since Hannah from the Mother had just posted that on Instagram, that was sort of this little kernel that stuck in my brain. Mm -hmm. Um and then we also had questions of uh like session drummers and then we just saw this like perfect pairing of uh Andrew Stevens who uh, played drums in Lamelda and Howdy, um, and lives in Austin, Texas. And then, of course, uh, the studio already being in Texas. So we were like, "Oh, this is this seems like a perfect pairing. The stars are kind of aligning." Uh, mm -hmm. And we sort of asked uh, Andrew and Tommy as like a batch together, like we're planning to come down there and and do this. Um, and they were both completely on board from second number one. Like they were, you know both wanted to get on the phone and sort of talk out the vision for the record and see where I was at as a person, which I really appreciated. And, um, yeah, it felt so, so wonderful from, from day one with them. Uh, it was a really big, it felt like kind of going to school for me. Um, this whole record did in a way, um, I, I've learned so, 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 so much and unlearned a lot as well. Um, but what do you mean? Well, what'd you learn? Uh, I learned how to make a record in a in a whole new way. Um, the, Jared and and Andrew and Tommy and later uh, my friend Ben, all uh, yeah, just schooled me in different ways. Uh, whenever we were recording the record, we did it all live, um, which you know is the way that records were once made, uh, and it's. So it's such like a wonderful intuitive way to make a record uh and when you get down to like the alchemy and magic of you know the power of recorded music uh the fact that i don't know there's always uh at least two if not three or four uh elements that were recorded at the same time always going on in the record like mm -hmm. At least the drums and bass always were recorded together um, and are a live take, uh, if if not everything else in certain moments. So there's something about that uh, that, I don't know, just made for wonderful performances. And it also made for sort of like a removing of like perfectionist tendencies. Like, you know, I wasn't able to like zoom in unnaturally on like if... Uh, you know, a guitar move in a certain moment, like landed perfectly. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, it doesn't matter because it's attached to an entire take that feels amazing. And that's all that matters. You're moving forward. There's no yeah, yeah. like, hold up. Got to redo mm -hmm. that part. And yeah. I like that feeling that's mm -hmm. on there too. And I'd also say that like this band is very tight and i think that there's something mm -hmm. really really nice going on in the fact that these songs they do have a lot of like movements and like fun things going mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. um and y'all play so it's it's just so solidly together yeah i mean that was good grief i uh really really lucked out having andrew and and jared on this like they are just 
another class of musicians. Uh, and I was definitely like, um, I hear it back on the record and not any kind of like shameful way. Like I, I know that I was being carried, uh, like, I, you know, I came up with the ideas, sure, but, like, mm-hmm. as far as that that performance quality that you're talking about, like, they were really setting down some bedrock for me um, to kind of, you know, stumble over, uh, which I love. I love that interaction of the fact that, like, I'm not the best guitar player. I'm very loose, um, but both of those guys have such a practiced and a natural talent uh, and gosh, it's so much fun. Like I, I didn't think that, you know, tracking a record could be fun and it was mm-hmm. enormously fun. You know, that beginning of a must while so near versus mm-hmm. just fallen. Yeah. Yeah. Stumbling. And it's like sort of this like moment of just like that got you there. But the fact that it, mm-hmm. it feels so, it was like the idea of what we're going to do is in this blank space and what comes out came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I felt really, it's, it's a really wonderful unspoken ethereal kind of thing to like write a part and then for someone to play along with it and totally understand like the intention of that part or like what velocity to apply to it and mm-hmm. what that means in the sequence of the song. I don't know. Like the, those guys are wonderful, you know, instrumentalists that can hit the notes, but to understand a song in sequence and as communication is a whole different thing. And gosh, it's so much fun to have that musical conversation with them. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in the, like, I guess the bareness of the guitars. Like, mm. a, most of these aren't double-tracked, if any of them are double-tracked. Yeah, some of them are. Uh, and, the, yeah, there were there was, like, a, a fair amount of, like, double-tracking that we did later, and then some of it that we did later and then just took off. But, uh, yeah. That's the point where I would be like, oh, shh, maybe I, like went too far with this mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. yeah that was there was a, a there's a couple of tracks namely like antechamber where it is just like one guitar a mm-hmm. couple of mics like the as raw as you can get it uh and that felt really dangerous but dangerous in like a very exciting way like i mean it would i would oscillate between like dan- you know thinking this is so spare that it sounds unfinished and then also feeling like, wow, this is dangerous. I I think if I'm feeling dangerous, then I'm feeling good (laughs) or that's good. Like I've entered unknown territory for me because my uh, comfort blanket isn't here. Um, That's yeah, it it was wonderful. Man, that just doesn't, it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, totally. I, I think, I don't know, like that, it's interesting because uh, I think that if people feel that feeling while they're making a record, uh, they'll take it as a red flag. And that can be a red flag sometimes. But for me, like one of the aesthetic values of the record was like, if I feel uncomfortable, um, then I'm, I know I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. Like that was sort of like one of the, you know, banners on the wall going into the thing. Like 
I know I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm trying to do something different. Uh, so thus, if I feel nervous, <laughs> then we're, we're, we're swimming in the pool. Something I went back to in the original feeling, and it, it still permeates, is this record feels like it's kind of haunted. Like, mm. there's... And it might have a lot to do with, you know, where'd you go, like, opening... Yeah, totally. Which fucking that line about the flip flops? <laughs> Fuck, man, that is that brutal. Thank you so much. I mean, and that uh, there's a lot of you know toying with with uh, real life story on this record, uh, and and you know there's some historical fiction applied, but that record is not. None of it is is fiction like that's, that's on yeah, yeah yeah that's that's real that's real life story down to that detail um Man. uh which like gosh i really i wrestled over that line because you know there's an idea of like all right uh as this type of songwriter does this fit in my like little diction bag do i say flip-flops on a record you know what i mean or yeah I change them to shoes totally, or something like that. Totally, because uh, you like these fucking big time syllable words, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> but that was another thing. It was like, okay, this word makes me uncomfortable to say, yeah. But it's like so much more potent of an image. Like yeah. it's and it and it actually is what the thing was. Uh, so, you know, what better to communicate than to actually like drop it and to mm-hmm. drop it in a song that is already so spare. Um, yeah, I don't know. I loved it. it. That was one of those moments where it was like, "Ooh, I feel like I'm on a a roller coaster right now." Like, <laughs> yeah, your voice too on this is like it's very strong, and you you sang like this before, but mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. um there's a particular nakedness to it that I think just like vibes with everything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, and that was also a a big thing too. It's like in the mixing, putting my voice right up front, but also as far as like, as far back as the arrangements, like let's play quietly or let me play, uh, chords that literally have less notes in them. So I have room for my voice or, mm-hmm. um, that was, I mean, I wrote, where did you go on bass? So I would have room for my voice, like so that there would be nothing else but the story. Mm-hmm. So that they were all like very intentional moves. Like, yeah, it was sort of this everything must go mentality of like, all right, let's let's really push it to this realm of feeling uncomfortable and naked, so something, something juicy, something scary can happen. <laughs> I like too that um, I can tell that you're very removed from the lyrical content on Broken Legged too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and totally. This seems like. It had to have just been a lot of fun as just a writing exercise. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah, I like the way that the broken legged lyrics were written, with the exception of maybe like Dogs and Died on My Birthday, which were kind of like songs that were written in one sitting, so they f- they feel like a little bit more coherent to me. Uh, the, the process of lyric writing on Broken Legged was that I would like over a period of years. I would sit down and have like lyric writing sessions and then 
sort of save all of those lyrics. And then whenever it was time, you know, to write these songs, I would go back and kind of like, I literally like did a best of what I had written. So I had these like bolded portions of lyrics mm-hmm. that I thought were potent enough. Uh, and then I would kind of Frankenstein song lyrics together, um, mm-hmm. which is a fun thing to do. There is some in- intention in that. Uh, and I would change things to reflect uh, their new context, which is t- to a degree still something that I do. Um, but I was much less cognizant of songs as being like communication tools. I was not measuring them by yeah. like, I was not measuring them by like, Oh, can somebody, you know, with no prior context, just read this and it comes across. Um, like that didn't matter to me at the time. I wasn't really aware of it, but this time around it was like, you know, let's cut everything out that like points to the wrong direction. I have some stuff that I really would like to get across here, uh, which, which feels good. And I mean, aside from, I mean, it's the, like, what's, what's going on with the state of this band is like, so baked into everything, but I mean, this is, you always write, pretty candidly like emotionally mm-hmm. um what's going on during this time too hmm I think back I, there's there's a lot going on uh i think one big thing was that whenever i started writing this record or not started writing the record whenever the the sort of period of my life that preceded me uh writing this record was me moving to a new town uh, I moved to Chattanooga at the start of 2017. It was only 30 minutes from where I had been living, but it was like the first real adult move of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that coincided with turning, I think, 24. And then I feel like my frontal lobe just dropped into my brain and things became clear and clear. And <laughs> I just uh, kind of just began to question where I was at in my life. I had never thought about having a direction or purpose before hadn't really thought about economics hadn't really thought about uh <laughs> uh what i wanted my life to look like books yeah you know just to talk and uh-huh. be interested in stuff uh but yeah so some real adult lessons began to kick in uh was learning some things the hard way you know went through some oscillations of thinking like oh i've only done music so far i've ruined my life do i want to keep doing that yes (laughs) uh but yeah so a lot of uh what i guess would i would call adult lessons but specifically in reference to the music um i think i was taking a lot of i guess i'd loosely call them unsavory qualities of mine uh to task Uh, i one big thread through the record is um, uh, taking my lack of awareness to task. Um, uh, thinking about uh, the cost of emotional labor <laughs> was yeah. a, a big flavor of this record. Like, um, if I'm not taking care of myself, what kind of uh, labor am I forcing my, you know, partner? my friends, my mm-hmm. loved ones to do. Uh, 
not to the self-sufficient point where I'm not asking anyone for anything, but like, you know, am I getting what I need? So I'm not walking around hungry and just thinking only of myself. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a, a real big theme, I'd say. I, I only laughed a little bit there when you talked about your own <laughs> awareness because we, you know, discussed you making this record and then just not having a, a thought oh, yeah. to anything else. But I, I, I don't find those to be mutually exclusive. But Totally. Um, I know that feeling of just like being so myopic and mm-hmm. so fucking focused on your stuff. That's like, oh, you know what? It's five thirty in the afternoon. Probably should eat because all I've yeah. had oh, is yeah. coffee, and I've just been hunched and reading for the entire day. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, it's uh, those wild moments where I <clears throat> think about myself as a human creature that needs to eat, but then <laughs> I'll think about a month of my life, uh, you know say uh if i if i take a cast of characters in my life being me and my loved ones and friends uh and i think about my interactions with them without me being the protagonist <laughs> in all yeah. of those interactions i'm just like ooh whoa <laughs> if i was this person i would want this person to be better in my environment like <laughs> yeah uh so i i i continually have those sort of like uh, wake ups all the time. Uh, and I really used to get down on myself for that. And I think you can hear that on the record, but there are parts Mm -hmm. on the record where I'm gentler towards myself. And I realize that like, you know, that's, that's a part of life. Those revelations and those big, uh, Oh, oops moments Mm -hmm. are, are are the way that you learn. Uh, and it's, it's all in there. Um, what's George about? Great question. Uh, George is a George is another a real life song. I mean, there's like a whole bunch of like big metaphor in that song, but it is about my friend George, uh-huh. uh, a real life person. Um, George and I. Can I tell moved... you? Can I stop you for a second there? Oh please, yeah. There are moments in that song where it does not seem like George is a real person. It oh, totally. feels like he's a fucking ghost. And maybe yeah. I'm just like yeah. I've been hung up on maybe that. that. Maybe that's that that hauntedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean, the Georgia in that song is a ghost in the sense that that song is about the nature of like of projection. Um, it's about uh, like essentially thinking that a friend. Uh, was against me because they were having a different experience than me uh, and I wasn't slowing down enough to sort of like figure out what my experience is or or why I was being affected in the way I was being affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, suffice to say that the the real life story to it is that uh, I'm when I moved to Chattanooga from Cleveland, I did so uh, with my friend George. Uh, we both moved from this extraordinarily tiny town uh, where our group of a dozen friends were all we ever saw of other people really. And then we moved to, you know, a, a small city, but you know, a, a place with other options than our dozen friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a real tough time adjusting to that. But George is somebody that has lived in 
really massive cities and has lived all over and and uh had a childhood where he moved around so he's like a very versatile uh chameleon and and can move in social ways that I was not prepared for and I was really shocked to discover that like I was treading water um mm. but you know to see him get tossed into that pool and succeed whereas I was going through all sorts of struggles um and and he was he was like a a best friend at the time I really just rather than figuring out what I was going through, just began to get super bitter towards him yeah. uh, and began to imagine his actions as, as shutting me out when really I didn't know how to sort of invite myself to the party. So mm-hmm. yeah, in a sense that song is me doing battle with a ghost because I am doing battle with a projection uh, of like, you know, just imagining that he was out in the town having fun and uh, that I wasn't able to, to hang or wasn't invited or something. And, um, and it was, it was really tough. Like it really took a toll on our friendship. And, uh, I'm super happy to say that it's, it's something that he has allowed me a ton of space to work through with him. And, uh, over the past, you know, three, four years, our friendship has grown into something that's really amazing for having had that period inside of it. Um, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, by I would say by the end of the song, I am actually addressing him, and that's sort of what makes the difference. Is like I'd say in the last chorus of the song, I actually begin to turn inward and be like, "Oh, I'm treating this person this way because yeah. of these ways that I've been wounded, uh, and I'm not seeing to these like thorns in my side." Um, so by the end of the song, I actually turn from this projection to the person uh, mm-hmm. and ask, "Like, hey, I think I actually know what's going on." Can I try again? Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, I really like the way that you phrased that just now. The What happened between you and George that it happened inside of your friendship. Um, mm-hmm. That as a, yeah. um, as a vessel, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, it was I, something I that was visited I, on. I, I, I didn't just point it out just for... Uh, just so I can make that joke, that joke. <laughs> but I will stop for a second and say, uh, uh, a must while so near. That's fucking, that's Milton. That's John Milton, right? Paradise really? Lost. I didn't really, I didn't know that. It's not a I direct, should know that. but this is, a, that's yeah. a Garden of Eden song for sure. Am I right? Yeah. In, in a, in a weird way, uh, that song. So I would say the lyrics to that song are probably the oldest. Um, and that's a weird I'm really glad that it's on the record because it's an anomaly to the rest of the songs uh in the sense that like I know what the other songs are about because I was like writing at a direction mm-hmm. all the time uh but with that song um I think that it is a confused song because it's about a subject that I was just confused about uh, and trying to sort out my feelings about, and that song was just a, a like, it's a song about casual sex, yeah. uh, and a song about hooking up with people, uh, you know, consensually, but also just feeling because of how I was raised that like something had to have gone wrong, like that oh, this isn't actually possible. Yeah. Like uh-huh. it's, yeah, it was just like a, a song about hangups and it, it's not necessarily clear uh, by that song that that's what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe because I was 
yeah, I wasn't yet in the phase of like writing directly that I was in for for most of this record. But yeah, that song is is about sex and thinking that like even if me and a a, a consenting person did this thing, that like that means that I'm actually taking advantage of them. Yeah, uh, totally. Which is sort of like what I was raised to think is like outside of the certain context, like you that can't be like an actual equal exchange, uh, mm-hmm. which is tough. Um, so yeah, I, that it's really funny because I, I don't actually know how the speaker in that song feels <laughs> about what he's talking about. Like, so it's, I it's ate until I was sick. If I ever left you hungry, I never noticed it yet. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the explanation is great. The, the lyrical content itself is so thick Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. solid dude i i've always really liked the the words that you write but the difference between this and and broken legged like you say the communication but i think also just like the it's it's working less from the like single experience as universal experience and Mm. it's really just about documents of just like being a person. Yeah. 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 They're definitely, you know, story songs in a sense, but like, yeah, just taking snapshots as being like, all right, this is, this moment happened. Here's a good case (laughs) Mm -hmm. to work through this issue on. Like I'll, I'll take this case to the Supreme court of my life and, (laughs) and fight through it. Like, I also think that like you know with your with your background and the way that you were raised i think seeing this from you now where it's there's so much there's there's no panic and broken mm. legged was just like oh. totally totally yeah because i feel like there's it's very easy to have a great deal of weight put upon your shoulders if you're raised in a religious house because those are your sins our man died for that yeah is, yeah yeah totally um how how is like that aspect of of your life do you think it's just getting older a little bit or do you think you're mm. you're putting it into terms that are fitting you a little bit better yeah i don't know i think I think the way that I tend to look at life now is that um, I feel I feel that we're all living along uh, similar arcs of experience, um, mm. and you know, everyone has to figure out who they are. Everyone has to be an adolescent, and then emerging from that cocoon is really painful uh, and gradual. And you keep doing it over and over again, and. <laughs> Uh, you keep molting out of skins that you grew up with. Um, and I don't view the sort of uh, skin of Western religion as particularly unique. It's just like, oh, this is this is what my experience was flavored with. Like everyone mm. gets mm. served these courses. This was my course. Um, and yeah, I think that removed from it now, uh, I really don't encounter any tension at all uh at at least tension that like holds me back that i feel like something is still defining me that i don't want to define me anymore uh that part of my life is 
I think over, uh, and now honestly, I, um, I'm more curious about what parts of myself connected with that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thankful for having been raised in like a spiritual context, uh, because now I'm like, Oh cool. I have some, I'm interested in spirit. I have some spiritual literacy. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in how people answer those questions and, and just realizing that as, as almost like a skill, uh, or, or just a, I don't know, a, a fringe interest of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was helpful to clarify that in that way, uh, apart from an experience. Like this is, this is actually just something I'm interested in. Um, this experience gave me A, B, and C kind of exposure to that. Um, yeah, but there's like a whole back half to my life that I could. Place. Totally, yeah. Which everyone is born in a place, and everyone keeps living on. So. Uh, yeah, I I feel fine about it now. I uh can't change it. Uh I feel really I'm now in a swing of like feeling really thankful for it in mm-hmm. a couple of different ways. There's a lot of ways in which it could have been massively worse. I don't have parents that like guilt trip me constantly or are really still in that realm. Uh I don't have like a lot of family friends that extend expectations on me to still be the same person or behave the same way, uh, which a lot of my friends who are raised in that context do. So, uh, I am, am really lucky to, uh, have people that have witnessed me in that time and outside, uh, mm-hmm. and are right on track with, with where I am. So it could be a whole lot, lot worse, which affords me the space to actually feel thankful for it. That's good. That's really yeah. good. Oh yeah, man could be a whole lot worse. <laughs> yeah. And it, it wasn't even bad, I will say. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I had like uh I was told my my uh the application that I have on my phone that I uh give permission to tell me what's going to happen in my life based on the stars mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. like springtime. It's all about your spirit. And I was like Interesting. Ooh, okay, good timing there. Um but it was the first, I think it was the first time that I ever in my life was like making progress as mm. opposed to the, oh, I go to Catholic church. I don't talk ever. Uh, and that's that. Yeah. And it's, it. I'm just r- relating to, you know, you having the, the foundation and the ability to work within it and i'm feeling like more and more um i guess gratified in like Mm. my own ability to build on that and it's exciting it is exciting yeah it's exciting it feels possible uh right feels possible and open uh and that energy of just possibility it's such an exciting thing to talk about. It's such an exciting thing to engage with in my own personal world. Uh, but now that like the world of spiritual possibility isn't attached to a certain interpretation or church or body of belief, it's like I can now like show it to people or ask like, Hey, what does world of possibility mean for you? And Mm. it feels freakier and more fun and connected, more connected than ever. So, 
Ground to Swim. It's out now. And you put it out. You put it out yourself. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. That I was uh, not the original intention. Uh, you know, I, I've talked a lot about the pride of putting it out myself. Um, but that, you know, I I was forced to come to that solution. Like we we mm-hmm. did the whole thing. We sent it around. Uh, we we started sending it around like right at the beginning of the pandemic, which was like that's there's an issue of timing there. Uh, mm-hmm. But also it was just I don't know. I really had to defend my own vision of like oh this no one's picking this up, no one's responding. Uh, is it the content? Is it the context? I have no idea. Um, but then I actually began to kind of like pragmatically look at the the numbers of <laughs> of uh, what it costs to release music, what it costs to do it yourself, and uh, just began to sober up about that point of the process for a long time. For me, it was just a given that like you know, in the strangely enough, in like the punk and DIY world, like l- labels are a part of it. Like you get. Mm-hmm a label to release it. It means a lot. It carries some kind of, uh, authority. I'm not sure why it's become that, but, but it is. And, uh, but I just realized that if you actually look at the numbers of it, it's like, it's, it's a little, it's a little silly. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, we, I think we can come up with this ourselves. Uh, we can do it. And if no one is like extremely gung ho about this, then it's not worth it. Uh, it would be better to just control it ourselves. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I never set out to be a, a booking agent or a designer or a person that sends a, a billion emails and manages spreadsheets. Uh, but I was like, I enjoy all of these activities if I'm doing them for the band. And I think that self-releasing a record, I could do that as well. Um, so yeah, we jumped into that. And also I have a, uh, a friend named Jason Sasai that uh, has shout out to Jason. Jason is good people. Really, 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 really been instrumental. Uh, I, gosh, back in I think November, October, uh, I took him up on his years long uh, extended offer to help me manage Sinai Vessel and all mm-hmm. things pertaining to Sinai Vessel. Uh, and him as a sounding board that I could just like was just a person that was exclusively there for me to just call up and talk to mm. all the time about this pro bono, like is, is just amazing. Like he's been unbelievably helpful. Um, so whenever I say self-release, like th- there is the, you know, he's the second, third, fourth and fifth beetle, like <laughs> <laughs> in that way it's, it's been both of us doing this. Um, but yeah, um, self-releasing enormously gratifying and especially for a record like this that feels so esoteric and personal and like that I made in isolation for me to be the only person uh on the front end at least like really explaining for it and putting it out uh feels super appropriate good for you man good for you feels good man um and I think that it's like worth sharing because we didn't get this part on tape but when we when we started talking, you're just like, uh, I'm not that worried. I feel like I should be, but it's out. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like enormously wonderful to feel, especially in like a social media comparison world. I don't know. I feel really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And I honestly, it's, you know, it, it may be a naive or really silly thing to say, but it's, uh, it's at least one way that I feel very thankful for this insane year. Uh, yeah. Is that it nullified, uh, other avenues of comparison. Like I, you know, I'm not thinking about touring. I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. A, B, C, and D, uh, just because it, it, a playing field, at least for making music and putting it out, just got leveled. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know, there's less to worry about. So I feel really good, uh, about what we set out to accomplish in every level. So, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, I, you know, I hope that there is not opportunity to do it, but if someone has to put out a record during a pandemic, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm being asked to recommend it, but <laughs> it's, I thought it would be the worst way to put a record out, but it it actually is not. <laughs> it's the best thing you've done. Man, thank you so much. But I'm going to give you your own advice. It's It's not the best thing you're going to do. Man. I listen I back to that. that conversation yeah, yeah often man it's the best advice in the world yep. i want to like look at all of my friends and be like you're not you're not done yet you're not done yet yeah yeah this is we're talking about broken legged like an end point this is endless endless yeah. it all is baby it all is for everyone Thanks for coming on again. It's a good talk. Thank you, Tim. Likewise. <laughs> All right, loves. Thank you for joining us. Check out Sinai Vessel online, sinaivessel.bandcamp.com, betteryatpod.com, betteryatpodcast.bandcamp.com, on Patreon, patreon.com, slash betteryatpodcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you, friends.